Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Alexa, who is Adam Ferrara? Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Virelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. He has had three Comedy Central specials and his new album is called It's Scary in Here. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere. Sounds like it could be funny. Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back. Hi, guys, they're here. We can start the show. And we have a great show for you this week. My guest in the ADD interview, you know him from the movies Mystic River, The Cider House Rules, Boondock Saints. He played Detective Fusco on the CBS series Person of Interest, and his name is Kevin Chapman. And we want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family. That's our conversation we have every week. 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Go to my website, click the link, and join us. And our super fan shout-out is for Randy Wilson. Say hi to Randy, everybody. Hello, Randy. Randy. What's happening, Randy? Randy, those are the voices of the people I love. My pal and pod producer, Marcus Stern. Good to see you, man. Uh, my lifelong friend, Phil Tagg. Miss you, pal. Miss you, too, my friend. And my beautiful wife, for better or worse... And worse is coming. It's Mrs. Ferrara. <laughs> Why is worse coming? Worse is coming because I got the electric bill. <laughs> Look, it's hot here in California, so we're running the air conditioner. I got the electric bill, so naturally, my thoughts went right to, can we live in a van? <laughs> and then my thoughts come in and say, no. Well, listen, I, before you say no, I want to pitch you this, because I, right. I found this article in, uh, in Newsweek. Uh, this is by the reporter Rebecca Flood. For those of you following along at home, woman reveals realities of living in a van, including how she showers and goes to the bathroom. All right. You guys want to hear about <laughs> this? Is what I got. <laughs> Sorry. Just maybe a little TMI, but go ahead. It's, it's the headline. All right, all right. I'm merely reporting to the class. Okay. Let's hear it, Ferrara. Let's right. hear your case. All right. Georgia Broderick is documenting her van life on social media. She shares home tours and explainer videos on her lifestyle. Broderick, originally from Australia but now based in Canada, has been living in a ProMaster 2500 for the past two years with her boyfriend. Come on, honey, what do you say? Me and you, two years of back of a Dodge. Still a no. 
<laughs> All right, but just just say Continue. That these people can do it. They're doing it right now. Good for them. All right. The 27-year-old told Newsweek, we've converted it ourselves, and we probably put about $10,000 into the original build, and at the moment, we are renovating. We are probably going to put another 5000 into it, which means they bought a trailer, mm-hmm. I'm guessing. Or, yeah. Or a school bus? No, no, it's not a school bus. It's a, uh, it's a, a, a ProMess at 2500 It's It's basically, you know what it is? It's an Amazon delivery van. You know the Sprinter vans? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, All right. yeah, yeah, okay. That's it. So it's a little higher, and that, okay. that's what it is. All right? And you don't think that thing gets hot and they have to run the AC? In a van? <laughs> Goodness. Yeah, Mark. So it's a little bit bigger than a studio apartment in New York, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm actually jealous of these people. I'm in a cruise ship cabin. They have more space than I do. Yeah. <laughs> so you know what the biggest questions they have is... Uh, Where's the gas card? No. <laughs> the biggest question is where she goes to the bathroom. That's the biggest question. Well, that's the biggest They're living qu- in a van, and that's the biggest question. <laughs> she works at a gym. So she uses the sh- she showers at the gym. Uh, she uses the bathroom at the gym. But if she's traveling in her van life, she says she either digs a hole or she uses a she-wee. <laughs> Sorry, what? Yeah, that's yeah. what I, I had looked that up to. How do you know what a she-wee is? Yes, I do. I didn't. You want to tell the class? I'm a hiker, so I do. You do? Yeah, but if you know how to... Use your proper squatting skills. You don't need one. Okay. Well, for those of you who don't know, a shiwi is pretty much just a funnel. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I got it. Yeah, it's good for number one. Yeah, it's a funnel, and and she goes, if I'm in the van and I need to go, I will shiwi into a jar. Like a stakeout. Yeah. Like yeah. Like if she's on a stakeout, she'll shiwi into a jar. Mm -hmm. I, I peed in a Gatorade bottle while I was driving. I've done that. That's dangerous. And, yeah, I, I actually, I actually did it. Uh, I think I did it on the uh, <laughs> we on an episode of Top Gear. I was driving down from. Uh, we were up in the Pacific Northwest, and I was in a big Ford F three fifty with a bed full of extra fuel, and I had to pee, and I peed in a the bottle there too. That's one of the things you don't think about when you're going on this, these big adventures. What right. about going to the bathroom? I think about it after I eat almost every time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you don't think about where you're going to stop, where where are you going to go to the bathroom? I was traveling throughout Russia, mm-hmm. and we're, we're like, okay, we need to go to the bathroom. The guy just pulls over, and I'm like, uh, what? Go ahead. Uh, there you go. What do you mean? And so that's what you do Dig in Russia. Dig Zarina. <laughs> you're traveling in the countryside, and there's no other place, so. Did, did you have toilet paper? Um, Nope. No. Nope, and I have a really bad ending to the story. Let me guess. Poison ivy? No, worse. Mm. Poison oak? Worse. So we pull over, right? Go. We all go to the bathroom. We come mm. back in, and my sister's with me, and I'm like, oh, my God. who? What? What's that smell? What's that smell? It turned out that I stepped in human feces and carried it in the car. Okay. Mm. That's disgusting. Because right. apparently a lot of people use the road as a toilet. Mm-hmm. And I stepped in human feces and took it in the car. Okay, I'm, I'm marking that down as a con on the pro and con list. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It was. I was yeah. so embarrassed, and I did not know what to do. Mm-hmm. So I took I off my shoe question, and threw it. Though. I what? have a question for Alex. Yeah, go mm-hmm. ahead. How did you know it was human? Um, there was corn in it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there you go. That is a good question, <laughs> and answered. I asked that question, and they he said for sure it's human, and it smelled different. Let's just say that. Okay. Well, it's definitely human feces. Don't worry about it. 
It happens all the time. Don't worry. Yeah, I but... did it this morning. <laughs> but here I was accusing everybody else, and it was on my foot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I felt so bad. I, I'm like, here, Ooh. here's some money to wash your car. Here's... I felt so uh, bad. Yeah. So I'm. I, that's my little story. Well, that thanks for perking us up. That was nice. <laughs> I said it was a bad yeah. one. I said it was bad. Okay. Well, naturally, the whole thing about living in the van is mm-hmm. cost. Okay. She was living in Vancouver. She said, uh, I was living in Vancouver paying just over $2,000 a month. Living in a van, I pay about eight or $900 a month. And she's documenting this on social media. So I, I have this clip. Hold on. Okay, let's break this down, shall we? So my van isn't paid off yet, so that's three hundred dollars. Groceries where I live are about two to three hundred dollars. Groceries are two to three hundred dollars. You know where she lives? She lives in nineteen sixty-eight. That's where <laughs> she lives. <laughs> Phone bill, hundred dollars. Petrol, two hundred dollars. So once the van's paid off, that's about five hundred dollars a month. Yeah. Okay. So phone bill's a hundred dollars. Mine's three hundred just for the cell phones, and I still have a landline. Well, what, no. What's that? Uh, what did she say? Pet bill? Pet petrol. Yeah. She's she's oh, from petrol. Australia. It's gas. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She said when she was living in a house, she was working 50 to 70 hours between five different jobs and can barely afford to survive. Living in a van has given me the opportunity to work 30 to 35 hours a week, saving $1,000 a month and still buying the things I need. So it's it's a good choice for a little savings, but I don't think it's a lifelong choice, right? Yeah, but let's be honest. How much of it we got left? Seriously. <laughs> the end is coming. So this couple is currently living in Ontario, uh, and she did say that they are saving for a house. So apparently the van life is getting to the boat, though. Yes. Yeah. And right now, currently, the van is parked in her parents' uh, driveway. So you know when mom and, <laughs> yeah, you know when mom and dad are going to I'm bed. I'm sorry, that is just so funny. You know how like people make fun of people living in their mom's basements. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they're living in their mom's driveway. Yeah. <laughs> so you know when the parents are going to bed, they're like, "He's living in the van with her, Al." <laughs> <laughs> it's her life, Helen. Okay, it's her life. I put it through college. <laughs> This is it. How much do you want me to do? She's your daughter. She's in the driveway. <laughs> Thank God we got a driveway, okay, Alan? <laughs> yeah, that's street parking. That's yeah. the guys like the guys like Uncle Eddie from Christmas Vacation. Yeah. Just dumping out all the waste. Merry Christmas. Shitter's full. <laughs> and I'm sorry. This whole story has me thinking of the great Chris Farley bit. Mm. All I hear in my head is you're living in a van down by the river. <laughs> but that's tough. Living in the in the driveway of your parents. Yeah. You know what? I commend her. She was working five jobs. She couldn't make it work. She met a guy with a van. She's like, okay, what can I make out of this? So, <laughs> yeah, she's doing what she had to do. So I, I, I give her a, a lot of credit. I totally relate to what they're doing because I'm doing it. You know, I'm in the same boat, except I'm actually on a boat. That's true. <laughs> yeah, you are. Yeah. Phil's doing what he had to do. Yeah. And in this interview, you're going to hear uh, Kevin Chapman uh, doing what he had to do. Uh, pay attention to when uh, the mayor of Boston gave him a choice. You guys listen to this, and we will see you on the other side. Here are some things that people don't tell you about van life. Our build is never going to be finished or perfect. We're on to our second renovation at the moment. No matter how many precautions you take, your van is probably going to get moldy or dirty. This means you'll have to take it apart once a year to clean it properly. Merry Christmas! Shitter's full! (laughs) You're listening to the Adam Ferrara Podcast. This is 30 minutes you'll never get back. Like I got the time for this. Pay attention when I'm talking to you, boy. 
ADHD. It's not just for kids. Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird! Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. My guest this week is an actor you know from the movie Mystic River with Sean Penn, as well as the movies The Cider House Rules, The Boondock Saints, Ladder 49. He played Detective Lionel Fusco on the long-running CBS series Person of Interest. His latest project is the Sundance award-winning film Coda, which will be out in theaters and on Apple TV August 13th. And John Travolta likes him because he said he's pretty sure he's the one that'll tell him to go fuck himself. (laughs) <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's my pal, Kevin Chapman. How are you, Chappie? Adam, good to see you, my friend. How's everything? Everything's all right, buddy. You good? I'm a little disappointed. You forgot to mention Rescue Me. Ah, yes, yes. Hey, you know, Dennis might not be too happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> you, are, you are on Rescue Me, and I always feel cheated because we never had any scenes together. No, we had nothing. We, 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 everything was with uh, Steve Pasquale and, uh, and Dennis and uh, yeah. Adam O'Neill. Actually. Yeah. Well, Dennis, I mean, if we're going to start at the very beginning, I want to start at the very beginning. Um, You came to acting um, late and Dennis and Ted Demi were the ones that uh, that opened the door for you in the movie uh, Monument Ave. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So I was, uh, you know, I used to work at Nick's Comedy Stop. Mm -hmm. So that's why I knew a lot of the guys coming through, uh, you know, remember Kevin James and uh, Chappelle and uh, Dave Attell. And I had this... uh, I had a three-bedroom apartment in Dorchester, mm-hmm. and uh, I, the guys would come down from New York, and uh, I had this sober club where I used to do a comedy show on Wednesday nights. Right. So they would come down to work at next Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and they could stay at my house for the weekend, And but the agreement was you had to perform at the sober club for me on Wednesday night. So they would come in on Wednesday night, and we would do the show at the sober club for all these kids, you know, trying to put their lives together. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I developed a lot of, you know, a lot of relationships with uh, with a lot of comics. Um, and so, you know, it was something that I always found interesting. I, 
I didn't have, I, I, I dabbled in comedy for a little bit. Uh, guys would take me on the road and, you know, be there. I had like a strong seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, if you asked me to go eight, I was fucked. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I didn't have, uh, I didn't have that, that thing, you right. know, um, I remember Buddy Hackett, the, the the late great Buddy Hackett was was probably one of the most interesting people I've ever met in in my life, uh, because it was like sitting down with um, a piece of American history. Sure, you know? he went, you know, he was there during the Rat Pack and, mm-hmm. and you know the whole thing. But uh, he had this saying that what separated me from a comedian was fifteen feet, and that was the fifteen feet. It went from the wings to the center of the stage. Right. And I didn't have that ability to make that walk. Ah. And, and so that's why I didn't, uh, I didn't pursue, you know, a comedy career. I just didn't have, you know, people think that, you know, they see a, a Chris Rock or even yourself mm. or uh, any of the uh, accomplished comedians that people just think that this stuff just comes to them, but they don't see you guys, you know, in the comedy cellar at midnight yeah, performing yeah. for people and, you know, uh, and, and that whole thing. And I just didn't have that, that ability to, to give it that type of dedication. You know, mm. you know, I just didn't, I didn't have the, the, the drive. So, um, I went to work for the mayor of Boston. I was working in a logistical capacity for the mayor of Boston and Dennis and Ted Demi came in. They were making a movie called Monument Ave mm-hmm. about the code of violence in Charlestown. And, uh, and I was working a logistical capacity with them, helping them facilitate the city. Um, you know, turning off streetlights and yada, yada, yada. And and Ted and Dennis kept looking at me kind of funny, you know. And Ted said to me one day, he goes, Dennis was the one who said to me, Dennis goes, can you act? You know, <laughs> yeah. the Monday Archie Bunker, right? Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and I was like, you know, uh, yeah, I think so. And, and, and Ted Demi said, he's husky like me. He's capable of greatness, you know. <laughs> was, you know, Ted was a, Ted was a, 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 a plump guy like myself. Um so uh, they gave me a script. Mm-hmm. They gave me the script for Monument Ave. They said, look at the character of Mickey Pat. Right. Uh, I read the script. I looked at Mickey Pat. I had uh, lunch with Dennis and Ted the next day. And they said, all right, tell us who Mickey Pat is. And I told them who, they, who I thought the character was. And Ted looked at me. He said, can you get three weeks off from work? I want you to play him. That's great. So, uh, so that's how it began. And it was, you know, it was, uh, you know, Dennis and... Gene Triple Horn and Fomka yeah. and Billy Crudup and uh, Martin Sheen. Uh, and Martin Sheen, exactly. Yeah. All these great, uh, these great, you know, accomplished actors. And of course, I was petrified, you know. And I remember the, the first night, I remember um, doing my very first scene. It was Lyndon Bias and I at the bar. We're playing chicken, where you take a cigarette and you drop it between your two arms, and the first person to pull their arm away loses. Mm-hmm. We're doing the scene, and I, and I don't know anything about blocking. I don't know about camera position. I know about absolutely nothing. And I'm looking at Dennis for him to help me. And Dennis just looks at me and goes, hey, I gave you the job. You're on your own. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, Are you shitting me? You know? Yeah. So, no. And then your next movie, if I'm not mistaken, it's Mystic River. And you're, you- No, Mystic River was later. I did Sight of House Rules. So what happened was um, I I – I finished Monument Ave, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know what? I can do this, you know? Right. And I know I'm a kid. I grew up in public housing. My mother raised four of us in the projects, me and my brother in one room, my two sisters in the other, and my mother on the couch. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't a lot of actors where I grew up. Right, you know? right. Uh, 
And it was like, you know, you go down the corner and tell the guys, you, you know, you want to be an actor. And then people are like, hey, you know, you, they start breaking your balls, you know. Look so, who you're uh, talking to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got know? the so, same uh, thing. I tell you this, Chappie. You know, when I knew that I was on the road is when it changed from them making fun of me to like, hey, you know what he just did? Oh, yeah, exactly. Or, or he's a friend of mine. Yeah. Or he's, a, you know, he's my cousin. I had more yeah. freaking cousins than, you know what I mean? And like, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, but yeah, that's exactly when it changed. That's when, you know, when you, when you, like I'd go into the Quiet Man Pub in Selfie and, you know, people would be like, hey, De Niro, get us a drink, you know? <laughs> and it went from that to, hey, can I buy you a drink? Yeah, you yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, you know, when I got, the, after I did, that movie was over, uh, we did the Sundance thing, and, it, you know, it was all new to me, and it was all great, and then, uh, so I said, you know what, I got to start pursuing this, so I started auditioning, so mm-hmm. I, I got a part inside of House Rules, I got a part in the bedroom, Boondock Saints, and then I said to myself, you know what, I'm going to go for this, and the thing that nudged me to go for it was, as I told you, I was working for the mayor of Boston mm-hmm. and in uh, a Herald, a reporter for the Boston Herald um, called me and said, don't you find it to be a conflict of interest that you're in these movies working for the mayor as if I was extorting. Movie yeah. Roles, <laughs> yeah. You know? Boston's like the, a little like yeah. New York, like, Hey, listen, oh. he's got a guy. That's the only reason. <laughs> Boston is a conspiracy theory capital of the fucking world. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, and, uh, so I said, no, I don't, I don't find it to be a, a conflict of interest. I said, I did one movie, Monument Ave. I did it on, on my vacation time. I took my three weeks of vacation to shoot the movie. And he said, well, I think it's a conflict of interest. And mm-hmm. so the conversation went from there to, you know, then, of course, the project in me came out. And I told the guy to go fuck himself. <laughs> <laughs> so the next day, I am on the, I'm on the front page of the Boston Herald. Uh, and they, I think the headline was... Um, Acting official. Right? Uh-huh. So it's the headline of the Boston Herald with a two-page pullout in the middle of these little bit parts that I had in films, you know? So now at the at this point in my life, um, I had been abstinent from, from, you know, drugs and alcohol probably like six, seven years. Okay. So I felt it was a question of my character, of my inter- and my integrity. So um, – the mayor calls me down to his office and he goes, look, he goes, you can either continue to act or work for me. And I looked at him and I said, well, it was nice working for you. And he said, what do you, what do you mean? What, it was nice. I said, I said, I can't let this guy, you know, question my integrity. Right. I said, I have to go do this now. So I literally resigned from my job on Tuesday, put everything I owned in the back of a U-Haul truck, in, including my motorcycle. I had a, I had a Harley Davidson soft tail uh-huh. with bags and everything. And I put the sofa and everything on one side and drove the bike up in the middle of it. <laughs> and off I went to LA, not knowing what I was going to do, you know, how I was going to get representation. None of that stuff was even like in my head. Okay. Um, I, I didn't really know how much talent I had. Um, I just knew that I, I felt like it was a calling. I just felt like, you know, not to get too deep, but I feel like everyone has a path in life. Sure. Like this was, this was supposed to be the path I was going to walk. Sure. So um, I went out there and, and, and I, and I studied acting during the day because I knew that my natural ability was only going to take me so far mm-hmm. and, and, and I had to develop a craft. So, um, so I studied acting during the day and I bounced at the house of blues at night. Uh, <laughs> 
And, and, and of course, you know, the street hustle in me came out because when I worked at the House of Blues, I was making like, I don't know, $8 an hour or whatever as a bouncer. And I knew that I wasn't going to be able to survive on that. So the House of Blues was having a problem with um, the neighbors because people were parking and down the street because they didn't want to pay the $20 parking fee. Mm-hmm. They were urinating in people's yards and, you know, leaving beer cans on the sidewalk and whatnot. So I approached the, um, the general manager of the House of Blues and told him that I would be the community liaison for the House of Blues. Okay. And, and that, and for, for my fine services, it would be $600 a week. Okay. Good. <laughs> so, so, and now, mind you, now the, the, the job that I got at the House of Blues, I bullshitted my way into that as well. Right. Uh, there was a guy, Bill Johnson, that I, that I didn't know. We had a bunch of mutual friends, but he was on the board of the, of the House of Blues. And when I went in there for the job interview, I told him that Bill Johnson had sent me over to give me a job. And so that's how I initially got in the door. And then I went from that to the community liaison to the House of Blues. And I, I was there for a while, uh, you know, a good year or so. And I remember one day I was there working and, and this guy walks up to me and he goes, you Kevin Chapman? I said, yeah. And he goes, I'm Bill Johnson. I guess you're a friend of mine. <laughs> 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 so, so, uh, so I got this job and, and, uh, so then I started auditioning and I started getting like little roles on like the practice mm-hmm. and, um, you know, these various like guest star roles. Uh, and, um, and then one day I was reading cause I read, always read the Boston Herald online. I read one day that Clint Eastwood was making a movie in Boston. I had no idea what it was about, but I knew Clint Eastwood was a guy that I had watched all his films as a kid, like all of us, you yes. know, I mean? and, you know, he, he was my guy. And uh, I called this agent. And I said, look, I said, I need to get in for this movie. And she and the agent said to me, well, they've already seen everyone in Los Angeles. They've already left. They're, I said, well, where are they now? Mm-hmm. She said, New York. I said, all right, get me an appointment in New York. And I jumped on a plane. I got a copy of the book, Mystic River. I read it on the flight from Los Angeles to New York. I got off the plane. I walked into uh, Phyllis Huffman's uh, office, the late great Phyllis Huffman. She was mm-hmm. she was amazing, uh, and uh, and I walked in her office and I talked about the. She said, "Do you know anything about the movie?" And I went right through the book. I said, "The murder took place on Sydney Street. I lived at Ten Sydney Street. The body was found at the old Neponsa Drive, and the Neponsa Drive is where I saw all of Clint's movies as a kid growing up. I mean, I just went right through the book. Boom, sure. boom, boom, boom. She picked up the phone right there and called Clint Eastwood and said, "You've got to see this guy." And that's how I got that job. That's great. Now, Chappie, take me through. What's that like? You're working with Sean Penn and Clint Eastwood. You know, and you're the only one that really has a Boston accent, I have to say. It it was funny. You know, that was the funny thing. So Sean had a friend who he was trying to get to play the role. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I got there and, and, you know, Sean was lobbying for this friend that he wanted to play the role, Clint said, no, I've already found my Val. Mm -hmm. This guy from Boston. So when I, I walked in, uh, so I fly in from LA because I'm living in Los Angeles, flying to Boston. They put me up at the Sheridan hotel. They were over at the Ritz. Uh, I get the call, you know, the cast wants to meet you. So I go over and I walk in There's Sean, Tim Robbins, Lawrence Fishburne, Kevin Bacon, Laura Lenny, Marsha Gay Harden. They're all sitting around the table Mm -hmm. and Sean had one seat that he reserved for me next to him Mm -hmm. because, um, which was, you know, was, 
why Sean is one, probably one of the greatest American actors of our time. Uh, the first thing he said to me is that any of these actors that don't stay close to you is a fool. He said, because we're a bunch of people from LA trying to play guys from Boston. He goes, and you're the real thing. Ah. So Sean stuck to me like a glove. Uh, and it, of course, Clint's at the head of the table and he looks down at me and he says, well, Chappie, what do you think? <laughs> and, I, and I look at him, I go, come on, it's a home game. <laughs> so, of course, you know, I was I was bluffing, but uh, right. yeah, that was my reply. And uh, and away we went. Wow. Uh, and you were great in that movie, Chappie. I mean, that's an Academy you. Award nominated movie. It's one of, it's one of your earliest pieces of work. And I intimidated. Did you use it? Tell me about, you know, just doing those scenes because. Well, you know, growing up in the inner city, I mean, you always knew those guys. You know yeah. I mean? I, yeah. I didn't, you know, I, I you know, I mean, I, I wasn't. I'm not, I'm not a tough guy. I'm not a, you know, rough and tumble guy. I am not, you know, but I knew plenty of them. I yeah. Mean, I I, it's, I'm the same that, way. It's like, I'm not that guy, yeah, but I know yeah. who that guy is and I know how oh, to be yeah. around that guy. You yeah, know, I mean, I, I, that guy's in my back pocket because yeah. I know that guy, you know, I mean, and, 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 you know, I'll tell you a funny story. So, so, so the movie comes out, I get a call from this attorney, George Tobia. Mm-hmm. Says, hey, there's somebody here that wants to talk to you. You mind if I put you on speakerphone? I said, yeah, go ahead. So all of a sudden I hear, hey, you little fat prick. You're out in Hollywood playing tough guy, huh? And I says, who's this? He goes, it's Weeksy. It's Kevin Weeks. Wow. Right hand guy. Yeah. So I said, you see me in Mystic River? He goes, yeah, you were great. He goes, I was doing you. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be chappy. When I get when I got the gig in Rescue Me, the young chief, and I had to command men, I did my father for a year and a half. I just yelled at them, <laughs> just the way my father yelled at me. And, and that's the thing. It's like you know, you grew up with these. You know, you grew up around these guys. I mean, like I said, I don't. You know, Kevin's one of those guys. Like I've known him a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, when I see him, hey, how you doing? How are you? Nice to see you. He goes left, I go right. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't. You know, we weren't go- we weren't going out to dinners together. Or we weren't- I don't have his phone number. He doesn't have mine. But right. when we see each other, we exchange pleasantries. And he goes about his business and I go about mine, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and as I say, you know, growing up in the inner city, you run around guys like that your whole life. They're, mm-hmm. not, they're not your friends per se, but they're just people you know from the neighborhood. And, you know, and, and so it's it's easy to uh, to play those characters, you know? Um. But that was, a, you know, that was an amazing experience. And I, and I learned a lot one day. I says to Clint, hey, boss, I go, give me some acting tips, will you? And he just looks at me, he goes, listen, and walks away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I'm standing and I'm going like, well, I guess he's got a point there. All you got to do is listen to what's being said yeah. to you and respond to it. That's know? when you know a good a good director just, he, he just gives you a word to think about. It was, a, I, I, I forget what, what show it was. But the director came in. I was in an interrogation scene. I was being interrogated. And he goes, he goes, that was good. Give me one take. Let me see you think your way through it. Mm. That's all I needed. And then when right. I saw it on TV, I'm like, that's the take he wanted. That's what he wanted, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I feel like television, you know, I, I'm just like I'm trying to re- – I'm kind of reinventing myself now because mm-hmm. I feel like television, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't ruin you as an actor, but there's, there's no time for that in television. You know yeah, I mean? it's especially if you're a guest star, you're going to get two takes yeah. and you're going to be yeah. first up because the because right. the other guys want to yeah. shoot their stuff and later. And it's always after lunch, too. You just yeah. lunch, you feel about like you're like 400 pounds. I'm like, all right, we're ready for your close up. Yeah. You know? 
Chappie, uh, 8 o'clock in the morning. I did a Criminal yeah. Minds where I'm a father of an abducted kid. The first scene at 8 o'clock in the morning is my, is my coverage, and I got to cry because they took my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> 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 So it's uh yeah so you know I mean like I say it was it was one of the greatest uh, one of the greatest experiences of my life. I mean, so then you yeah. went from that you went from that and then ladder forty nine was quickly after that. So it was right after that actually. Can I ask you to tell the story when Travolta flew you in the plane? <laughs> um, yeah. All right. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so he uh, yeah he, John was kind enough i had missed missed my family i had a daughter just my daughter at the time mm -hmm. and i hadn't seen them in uh you know quite some time so my daughter was born in june uh i started mystic river in september mm -hmm. i came home the first week in december uh i was home for a month started ladder 49 and hadn't seen you know my wife or my daughter in probably seven or eight weeks at this point john was kind enough to say all right everybody um let's all pile in my plane and, and go see our kids. So he, you know, John, John pulled rank and told the producers, Hey, we're not working Friday. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Thursday night, we all piled in his plane and we all went to LA to see our families. And, uh, so we're sitting on this, you know, amazing 707, which has got, you know, a, he's got a bidet in his plane. <laughs> all right. And I was like, that says it all right there. But you got a bidet in your plane, you win. <laughs> And, uh, and, uh, and John, we sitting on one side of the aisle, I'm sitting on the other. And he says, you know, what? I, like, I like working, but with you, Chappie. Yeah, I said, what's that, John? He goes, I see you telling me to go fuck myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, and I said, well, you know, but what I found to be really, uh, what, what I found to be really, um, enlightening was that, you know, you know, we've all seen it. We've all been around people that you know, I have extreme notoriety and, 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 you know, people, you know, just constantly kissing their ass the whole mm -hmm. time. You know? But to hear him acknowledge it, it was yeah. really, it was really wild. You know what I mean? Like he was like, he goes, I can walk in a room with purple underwear on my, on my head. He goes, and there's eight people in line waiting to tell me how great I look, yeah. you know? And to hear him say that, I was like, wow, that's, you know, that's pretty wild, you know? Yeah. But also uh, to have the awareness to see who won't. Right. No, exactly. You know, and that, that's, that's I think that's thing, the energy you, know? you brought in because even when yeah. even like like we've never we never worked together. I mean, you were a rescue me, but I, I remember seeing you and we were bullshitting right. everything. And, and that that's a different set because they were all there really wasn't. A, I mean, they were actors, but they, they weren't affected. You know, rescue me was just like hanging out. Right. You know, right. Now, I mean, rescue me was great. And, that you know, that was and I'll tell you the story behind rescue me, too. Um, so uh, I. I was up for this movie called Recount with mm -hmm. Kevin Spacey. And it was about the recount in Florida. Yeah. During the, uh, the, the hanging the, the chads, election, right. That Dennis ended up playing. So I have a, I have an audition. I go out and meet with Jay Roach. I have a great audition. They tell my agent, they say, look, we like Kevin. Um, but we're out to Michael Keaton. If he doesn't do it, we'll come back to Kevin. Mm -hmm. So, Michael Hooley, who Dennis portrayed in the film, who I was auditioning for, grew up in my neighborhood. Okay. So I uh, I had a great audition. In the interim, I reached out to Hooley and I said, hey, I'm up to play you in this movie recount. Michael Hooley says to me, 
You tell them if they don't hire you, they can go fuck themselves. I'm not talking to anyone. <laughs> That's good to know. So, and he meant and he meant every word of it, right? So I go back in. I have a great audition. Jay Roach once again, you know. And I said before I leave, I go and hey, by the way, I got a message from Michael Hooley. <laughs> Jay Roach goes, "What's that?" He said, "If you don't hire me, go fuck yourself." <laughs> So Jay Roach, you know, is this, you know, meet the Fockers, yeah, yeah. Austin Powers, you know, he's got to talk to me. You know what I mean? So I get the call. Dennis is the guy. You know, you didn't get the part. Mm. Jay Roach liked your audition. He liked what you did. But physically, you're not the guy. And, and physically, I'm not. Physi- Michael Hooley is built like Dennis. He's tall, lanky, you know. So, you know, I, I, I hear about this. This is probably now a couple of weeks later. I sent Dennis a text. I said, hey, congratulations on uh, on recount. I said, if you want, I'll connect you with Michael Hooley. Dennis, my phone rings. And you know, Dennis, yeah. you don't call nobody. You, 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 get, you get a text, you get one word answer, you get, you know. Yeah, you know what I get? Rings. I get an Irish flag and a yeah. hockey stick. <laughs> exactly. Two, two, two gerbils and a cloud. Yeah. You're like, what is this? <laughs> So no sooner I hit enter in my response to Dennis in the email, my phone rings 30 seconds later. Mm-hmm. It's Dennis. Hey, what do you mean? You, Michael Hooley won't talk to anyone. He told HBO to go fuck himself. He told Jay Rowe to go fuck himself. He won't talk to anyone. I said, Dennis, you know me. I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call you if, if I didn't think I could do it. Mm-hmm. You know. So I hang up the phone. I call Hooley up. I go, hey, Michael. I go, as you know, I didn't get that part. I said, but... Dennis Leary is my friend. I said, and he's the one that started me in the business. And I said, um, I would really appreciate it if you would talk to him. So Hooley says, you know what? He goes, Leary's good with the firefighters. He goes, my brother's a firefighter. He goes, I'll talk to Dennis. So I called Dennis up and I go, here's Hooley's number. You're all set. And as a thank you, mm. Dennis wrote that part for me. I rescued me. That's, you know what? That's, I'll deny I said it, but I love that skinny Irish fuck. Cause no, that, you know, I do too. I that's, mean, him. Like I said, that's him. That's uh, him. The guy's got a heart of gold. And for a guy who plays, you know, the graph, rah, 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 smoking, and, you know, hey, 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 you know, it's like he's got a heart of gold. I mean, I've seen him do more things for people. And he gets pissed if you tell people that he did. Yeah. He doesn't take mean? credit for anything, no. but it nope. doesn't doesn't make a big. When my dad died, I was on the, the sets and no, there were no nothing was ever spoken, but I felt. Lenny and Dennis kind of close ranks around me, you right. know. It, I, like we never said anything, Chappy, but I actually yeah. felt that and uh, yeah, 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 never, yeah. never forgot it. Yeah, yeah. No, he's a good man, and and so you know, and so from that, from that, um, from that little character on Rescue Me, mm-hmm. um, Jim O'Doherty had written a script called Inside Out, and it was about this, um, it was about this single dad who had a son who he thinks is gay mm-hmm. and um, you know, this dad says all the wrong things for the right reasons. And Dennis put up the money to shoot the pilot. And I was the lead. I played the dad. They had brought it to, they had brought it to uh, direct TV and it was direct TVs. It was going to be direct TVs first original program. Uh, but they were fighting over residuals because direct TV wanted to buy it and be able to play it. Yeah. Times Run a day the hell out of it. Yeah. So they were trying to work all that out in the interim. I get offered person of interest and Dennis calls me up and he goes, look, 
He goes, you got J.J. Abrams and CBS. He goes, and you got me over here fighting with DirecTV. He goes, you got a family. I know what you need to do. Yeah. And uh, and so that that's, you know, that. And then I went on my way into person of interest. Yeah. But once again, you know, here's a guy who had money, time, energy, you know, tied up in this thing. But he knew that I had a family and he knew that I needed to provide for that family. So he was like, look, I get it. You yeah. Know? He's, I believe me, he's, he's, I, you're preaching to the choir. I've seen yeah. him just do that, not only for me, but for other people. And I'm mm-hmm. probably going to cut all this, cut all this out of the interview chat because I'm not going to admit any of this shit. Yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'd never get his head in the door. Oh God, there's no little way to mouth. It's, can I ask you to tell the Clint Eastwood Iceland story? Oh, so, so after I finish, um, so I finish, uh, I finish. Uh, a lot of 49 mm-hmm. and I get, uh, I get a call. I'm at a Red Sox game with, uh, Michael O'Malley and Michael O'Malley, who has been, you know, he, him and Dennis have probably been my two, two, two Irishmen, my two, two biggest champions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Michael O'Malley says to me, Hey, I got a friend of mine who's doing this show called brotherhood for showtime. Right. He says, you need to meet him. So I, I meet uh, Blake and he cast me in in uh, in Brotherhood. So uh, I'm in Rhode Island doing uh, doing this show, and then we fin- finished the first season. I I come back to LA and I'm you know banging around auditioning in between, uh, you know whether or not we get picked up for the second season or not. Mm-hmm. And I'm on the Warner Brothers lot, and I run into uh, Rob Lorenz, who is Clint's producer. And Rob says, well, you know, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm just you know doing this show in Rhode Island." Blah, blah, blah. He goes, well, we're doing this movie called Flags of Our Fathers. He goes, there's a bunch of Marines. He goes, there's got to be something in there for you. So I'm like, all right, great. So go back to do second season of Brotherhood. My agent calls me up. He goes, hey, we just got a call from Clint's office. They want you to come to Rinklevik, Iceland to play this uh, Marine Corps captain that takes the base, that takes the beach at Iwo. So I'm like, awesome. So he goes, we brought, Showtime was nice enough to let you go. We mm-hmm. worked it all out. You're going to be there 10 days, blah, blah, blah. Go to Logan, get on a flight. You, you got to be there in the morning. So we go, I hop on a flight, I get there, and I see Clinton. Now, it's the first time I had seen him since, you know, I haven't probably hadn't seen him in two years at this point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I'm so excited because I got this great television gig. Sure. I'm making great money. I'm in Rhode Island. You know, I'm close to Boston. My my wife and kids were spending the summers at the beach and going back to L.A. And it's just, you know, life is fantastic. Yeah. And it's all a direct result of Clinton's would giving me an opportunity. So I see him and I go, "Hey, boss!" I go, "I got this great gig." And you, know, and you, you know, when you when you're around people like that, you at least I do. I have a tendency to forget who I'm talking to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> because now you know we're familiar with each other, so it's like you know, it's like me talking to you. Yeah. You know? yeah. And so I'm just rambling on, and he's just sitting there looking at me, <laughs> shaking his head, you know, not saying anything, just you know, stoic, and he. He got his little Marine Corps cover on, you know, and he's just looking at me and he's shaking his head. And so uh, they put me on this landing assault vehicle out in the ocean and there's boats everywhere. And, and I mean, this stuff blowing up, there's, you know, landing assault vehicles is, and it was just chaos. And so they put me on this landing assault vehicle and they sent me out to sea and the waves are so violent that there's a big cleat on the landing assault vehicle. And I literally had to put my arm through it and hold it like this to keep from getting blown off the deck 
So I'm out there and the waves are hitting me and they hit me and they hit me and they're waiting to call action. And Clint never uses a bullhorn. And all of a sudden I hear out of a bullhorn from like two boats over. Hey, Chappie, how's that fucking TV show treating you now? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. As another wave comes over the top of me, you know. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Tell me about the new uh, the new movie Coda that comes out August thirteenth. You know, it, it's uh, it's Coda stands for a child of a deaf adult. Sean Hedda was the uh, was the director of this mm-hmm. movie, and you know, I, I got to be truthfully honest with you. It goes to show you how much I don't know. You yeah, know? Uh, I, I I'm like I'm in this thing, and I'm working with um, with these actors who um, who are all deaf, and they're you know doing American Sign Language. And I'm like, and I'm in this thing and, I, and I'm looking around and I'm saying like, is this going to work? Like, yeah. I, I really, I'm like, I, I didn't really know. I'm like, is this movie going to work? You know, are people, uh, you know, going to sit down and watch the movie and read subtitles and still stay engaged and be able to follow the story? And, you know, and she just did a remarkable job. It was just, you know, and, you know, I, I, I owe her an apology for not, for, for questioning her. You know what I mean? Because the movie is fantastic. Uh, it's a child of a deaf adult. So basically what the story is about, it's about this fishing family there mm-hmm. and they have this one daughter and they're very, very close. And they have this one daughter who can hear. So she's like the ears of the family mm-hmm. and she develops an, uh, a love for singing and she's very good at it. And it's the first thing that she loves that the rest of the family can't participate in because they're all deaf uh-huh. and it's uh it's a beautiful story it's it's it, apple tv bought it. it was the largest acquisition in the history of the sundance film festival so it goes to show you really how much i don't know <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> like i tell people i wear makeup for a living that's what i do <laughs> Chappie, I can't thank you enough. I, I, every time I see you, I get a big smile on my face, and I really appreciate you taking the time to do this for me, my friend. Buddy, anything for you. You know that. And, I, you know, I hope that we get to uh, – I get to hope, hope that we get to hang out on a set somewhere. That means we're both getting paid and we're both having a laugh. <laughs> yeah. You know? Let's be on the same show and get to do a couple of scenes together. That'll be nice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Best to you and the family, my friend. Stay safe you, and let's laugh soon. You as well, my friend. Thank you. You got it. The ADD interview was brought to you by CruiseIntoWellness.com. CruiseIntoWellness.com for all your CBD needs. Now, let's say you're in Iceland shooting a movie with Clint Eastwood. You're holding on to a cleat for dear life. And Clint gets on the bullhorn and says, Hey, Chappie, how's that fucking TV show treating you now? This could cause you a little anxiety. So why don't you do what I do? Take one of the gummies they have at cruiseintowellness.com. You know what else they have? Sure you do. Edibles, tinctures, pain creams, bath products, pet products, and you get 20% off with the coupon code ADAM. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. 20% off with the coupon code ADAM at cruiseintowellness.com. Go. Feel better. Hey, this is Kevin Chapman. You know, that guy from that thing. And this is 30 minutes I'll never get back. I really enjoyed catching up with him. He's a, he's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Chappy. <laughs> Makes me proud to be from Boston. Love that guy. Yeah. Yep. I figured you'd like that. He's from Dorchester. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and the ma- that's it. The mayor of Boston said, listen, you can work for me. You can be an actor. I enjoyed it, Mr. Mayor. What? I got to go. This yeah. guy, there's a two-page pullout in the Boston Globe questioning my character? All right, I'm on a plane. That was great. Mm. Yeah. I, I loved it. He seems to be like a guy's guy. Mm. Like he just walks in the room and says, hey, how you doing? Yeah. There, I, there's I love no, that. There's no pretense with him. No pretense. But you know what I did like about it is his awareness, um, and I think I mentioned it in the, in the interview, he's not one of those killers from the neighborhood. He said, he goes, I'm not that guy. And I said, look, I'm not that guy either. I know how to be around that guy. I know <laughs> yeah. when to not be around that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but he does play that guy a lot, too. He, he walks in with it. Yeah. Whenever I've seen him in different things on TV or, mm-hmm. or whatever, I'm just like, oh, it's that guy. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, I, I love like to... that man. He's like the most humble cat you ever want to meet. And uh, I remember the first night I met him, uh, I was working Nick's comedy stop in Boston. And Mark, you know this because you're from there. It's one of the most intimidating comedy towns you can work as a young comic. You get there, yeah. you, you hear all about it. It's the major leagues. It really is. I was petrified. And Chappie is like, I never met the guy. He comes up to me. He goes, hey, you're from New York. You're a New York guy. And I go, yeah. And he goes, listen, I know it's intimidating. You're going to be great, though. They wouldn't have booked you if they didn't know you could do it. And he made me feel like. That was my first meeting with him, man. And he was right. I went up there and rode the wave and it was, he couldn't have been more humbling, man. And um, yeah, and he built that sober club, you know, for recovering alcoholics, which was just a great thing for him to do. And he, you know what I mean? That's the kind of guy he is though. Yeah. He does he, what needs to be done. You yeah. Know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Not, not only is he, he does what needs to be done. He finds opportunities. He's at the house of blues. He's like, oh, we got people peeing on cars back here. I am a community <laughs> liaison. Yeah. This for six hundred dollars, I can make this this problem go away. That was genius. Yeah, that was just genius. Yeah. I, I love that. Perfect... Is, is that a moment where you like fake it till you make it kind of thing? No, you didn't fake it till you make it. He bullshitted his way in. There's a difference. <laughs> yeah. okay. Yes, he did. I saw. I listened to that, and I and I, Alex, I had the exact same reaction. Genius. And I know those opportunities put themselves in front of me and I never like see them clearly enough to be like, oh, I can do that and insert myself in and make myself invaluable in this deal. And I just love I love his fearlessness with all of this. Mm -hmm. I mean, to tell the mayor, thanks. It's been fun. I'm packing up my motorcycle. I'm driving across country (laughs) and I'm going to try this (laughs) acting thing that I've never done before. Really? You know? Yeah, screw it. I'm going to give it a shot. It seems like my calling. And he did it. And he's he's been incredibly successful. I love Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. It's that that attitude and work ethic. How about look? I heard Clint Eastwood is seeing people. They've seen everybody in L.A. Get me a meeting in New York. I'm getting on a plane. Well, he was right. I mean, he read the book and he knew all about that book. Yeah. He, well, he read the book on the plane. That, yeah, that's, that's what I'm You know what I loved about him when he went in to meet the casting director? He didn't go in um, you know, looking for what can you give me. He went in offering his point of view. He was like, all right, here's, what, here's where the murder took place. This is where I used to watch Clint Eastwood's mm-hmm. movies. Bang, 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 bang. He came in with a solution and not a problem. Yeah, he, he made himself yes. valuable. Yeah. You know, and she yeah, he saw sold it. Them, he sold them on him before he even read for the thing. Yeah. He made himself valuable. I mean, and and that kind of guy, it makes an impression on the community. I, I I'll never pee on the House of Blues again. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then he's on this, and and then even when he's at the table, you know, think about that. He, he's doing Mystic River. He's at the table with Tim Robbins, Sean Penn, Clint Eastwood's at the head of the table, and Clint Eastwood calls him out in front of everybody. Go, well, what do you think, Chappie? Hey, <laughs> it's a home game. 
That was yeah. great. Yeah. He has what a, a great line. Counts. It's yeah. a home game. He's yeah. like, you're playing in the Boston Garden. I know how the ball bounces here. OK, <laughs> I'm fine. Don't worry about Chappie. And again, he's one fearless. of those guys that like this. There's, there's a lot of guys in the business that we could look at and go, how the hell is he working? <laughs> Chappie's not one of them, man. Chappie's a guy that you like. I literally love his success. I really do, because he's a great guy. He, he's kind he's of like a guy you, you, Adam. He, he's kind of a guy like and I'll say that. Yeah, like you, Adam, kind yeah, of guy you want to hire. Well, I wish you ran a studio. I really do. <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, your record, you, you just want to be around some people. Mm -hmm. You know, you mm -hmm. were on a set and you have to be with these people. Why not be with really talented, great people who you want to hang out with? Yeah, a lot of it is yeah. a lot of it is the hang on how to on how to behave on a set. Yeah, Phil. Yeah, I was on the set of Nurse Jackie and I was talking to somebody at Craft Services and they were talking about you like, oh, my God, he's so pleasant to work with. We love him. You don't really know him the way I do, though. You don't know him the way I do. You don't understand. Give him time. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> Let me tell you the story about the iPhone and then the story about the seals, OK? <laughs> Which everybody would laugh at. You don't yeah. know what he does. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I'm very happy on a set. I'm genuinely excited to be there. And I think so is Chappie. Chappie's on, is doing a, the, what a movie with, with Clint Eastwood. And he's like, hey, Clint, you got any acting advice? He's like, listen. Which is perfect. Yeah. yeah. Adam, listen. Yeah, but when Clint Eastwood <laughs> says it, it's different than my wife saying it. I got to be honest with you. Do I need a yeah. hat and yeah, poncho? Clint Eastwood's not going to yell at me for leaving a wet towel on the bed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is That's that an hilarious. issue for Adam, Alex? Well, let's just say Adam has a has a hard time staying in the moment. We'll just say that. Uh, oh, look, a bird. <laughs> <laughs> I I think it's um a lot of comics have that problem though, mm -hmm. um because they're always looking for the funny, or if something hits them, they're already writing a joke. I mean. Mm. It's the only reality I know, so I don't know if there's a reason for it. I just know one minute I'm talking to you, the next minute I'm thinking about, can I live in this van or not? I don't know. <laughs> Adam? I might be able to pull it off. There's no way I'm going to talk her into it. Adam, just let me know when you want the longest extension cord, and I'll plug it in for you, and you can stay in the driveway. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like, that attitude that Chappie had to ask somebody like Clint Eastwood, you got any tips? Mm -hmm. Like, he's he's so disarming. There doesn't seem to be pretense about him or anything like that or any ulterior motives. And he's just honest. Like, the story about him talking to Travolta, which, again, reveals that John Travolta really seems to be, like, a really amazing guy. Yeah. I love that Travolta says, you're the one guy that would just tell me to F off. You're not going to blow smoke. Yeah. Like, I, and you need to have people around you like that. You can't have people who just tell you, no, Emperor, those clothes are great. Somebody has to say the Emperor has no clothes, and Chappie seems to be that guy. Yeah, Chappie and my wife. Uh, uh, yeah, and I was going to say, thank you for bringing that up, um, Mark, because, Adam, I don't want to live in a van. I want to plane with a bidet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, that is so great. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'll tell like, you that what, is what so we, cool. What if we get the van and we can sit on a sprinkler? No, How's that? No, not, no. Does this van fly? No. No. Well, okay. how about having enough chutzpah to walk up to Jay Roach and say, hey, by the way, if uh, you don't hire me, Holies won't talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. And, then, and then, by the way, showing again. How, how great Bostonians are mm. after he doesn't get the part and Dennis gets it. He turned, you know, he said, make sure Hooli like, you know, talks to Dennis about the part. And then what does Dennis do? Now you guys know Dennis Leary. I only know him as a fan. What he did is, you know, 
writes him apart and like gets him involved in that project. And then when he sees he has another opportunity, you have a family that you have to take care of. Go do that. Doesn't matter how much we've invested in this. Go do what you have to do. Yeah. I, I broke it down. Mm-hmm. Kevin had a guy, Huli. Right. Called his guy and said, hey, I got a friend over here. And so he did him a solid. Yeah. He did Dennis a solid. Dennis did him a solid back. Well, that's it's, that's also Dennis, you know, and, and he doesn't like to take credit for any of it. And I, I know if he hears this podcast, he's like, hey, fucker. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want anybody to know. So what do you do? Yes, you put sir. it out on a fucking podcast? Huh? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to get everybody knocking on my freaking door. I, I love when Adam does, Dennis, because you just have your fingers out like you're holding a cigarette in your hand. Yeah, that's just <laughs> that's how you, all you need to do. <laughs> Did you okay, have- so I'm going to get a little sentimental on you three and say the same thing for you guys because I needed to do what I needed to do by coming out here on the ship. We all agree on that, yes? Mm-hmm. Also, Phil, we, we, frankly, we, we also had enough of you. <laughs> it's not the same with that, I, you, I, I got that vibe, too. I did. So, yeah, but no, it's cool how we're, we're making this work somehow. Like, I'm in Seattle right now on a friggin' ship, and mm-hmm. we're, making it, we're making the podcast work. So I can say the same thing for you guys. So thank you. I'm, I'm thanking you for keeping me alive. Ah, uh, you're welcome. There was another van issue uh, that I saw that she, she addressed online. Phil, I, I thought of you when, uh, when I saw this. Hi, here's some tips on how you can prevent getting a yeast infection while living in a van. What? Phil, are you taking she... notes? What? You know, is that necessary? <laughs> no, it's not. That's the really? point. I mean, we're having a good time here. I haven't seen you in a while. Really? A yeast infection. This is the joke you're throwing on me. <laughs> Step one, shower regularly. Will you, I think will you not given. play that, please? But it's sometimes hard. So, here's another tip. Use biodegradable wipes. Keep it fresh down there, ladies. Keep it fresh. That I do. Step three, zinc-infused underwear. These are from Hoo-Ha, and this green bit here is infused with zinc, which helps to heal. They're also super breathable, so they keep everything balanced down there. Uh, okay, that's just a little weird, Adam. Just saying. <laughs> it was a lot weird. TMI to the 10th. <laughs> Don't look at me. She's she, she's pumping it out on what TikTok. Is, is she making like money on TikTok? Uh, every, everyone's making money on the internet but us. That's <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Maybe you should talk about your... how. Yep. Maybe you should talk about your yeast infection. Uh, uh, yep. if, look, if, if, if I can make a couple of bucks getting a yeast infection, bring on the bread, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to thank Kevin Chapman for being my guest. Uh, his new Happy. movie is called Adam, you're Coda. An idiot. His new movie is called Coda, and it's coming out soon. Honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? I don't know. Adam, That's the right. Adam from Find yourself. We've had enough. Oh, my goodness. And we're not living in a van, All FYI. Right. Please remember, life is hard. Take it easy on yourself. The pod has ended. Go in peace. So we pull over, right? Go. We all go to the bathroom. We come mm. back in, and my sister's with me, and I'm like, "Oh my god, who? What? What's that smell? What's that smell?" It turned out that I stepped in human feces and carried it in the car. Okay. Mm. I'm so glad I don't have feet. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know, if you own a home. It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that. 
and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.